Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Security Insider podcast. And today we are here with Dr. Gavril Schneider, Director of Risk2 Solutions and Lead Researcher with the Australian Security Research Centre to talk about the new ASIAL Security 2025 Horizon Report. Gav, welcome to the program. Hi, John. Thanks for having me back. So tell me, what is the Horizon 2025 Research Report? Thanks, John. So it's a project that uh, we're working with ASIAL to achieve, and it's it's a really great initiative on ASIAL's part, where the idea is, if we can't forecast where the industry is going to be in five years, how do we set up a roadmap for success? So it will really turn out to be Australia's largest study into the private security sector, looking at current trends, what we're doing, and then forecasting where we think the sector will be in 2025 and looking to create a bit of a roadmap so that we can actually manifest the best version of our sector and industry come 2025. Okay. And so what sectors of the industry is this aimed at? Is this an industry-wide report? Is it aimed at particular areas? And if so, who? Sure. So we're researching the entire security industry. And I'll, I'll give a brief shortly on what tools we're using to conduct the research. But uh, for any of your listeners, you know, re- re- as wide as we can go, if we look at the survey, for example, we're busy surveying. There's one survey option for security providers, and it doesn't really matter your speciality. And then there's one for security users to get their perspectives too. We've already run eight focus group workshops, which included law enforcement regulators, uh, cybersecurity professionals, and obviously the more conventional security providers, which we divided into small, medium and large businesses. So really inclusive, the more we can get from anybody who wants to share and participate, the better it will be. Okay. But when you say the entire industry, does that include things like integrators, ele- the electrical side of the industry, um, you know, as well as manpower provision and th- or person power provision and things like that? Absolutely. And there's specific tabs within the survey for those sort of specialists to mark where their area of interest is. But to, to kind of answer that directly, if we're going to forecast where the industry is going to be, we need to get as much input from the different stakeholders in the industry now. And, you know, whether there are people that are currently regulated, people that are not regulated, whether they're members of ACL or not, uh, if they have insights into where the industry is and where they think it's going, that's exceptionally useful for us. Okay, so what is the job you are seeking to get done here? What are you trying to achieve? Great. So the first phase of this is data collection, and we're using a three-tiered research approach. Firstly, we've run the focus groups that I discussed earlier, but we're also conducting several one-on-one interviews and we've got the survey out there, which I would really encourage any of your listeners to please complete the survey themselves, send it to the people who work with, work with you, send it to your clients. Uh, the more feedback we get, the more robust the study, the more credibility it will have, and the more likely we are to be able to forecast where the industry will be. So to directly answer your question, nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody can go, well, in 2025, this is definitely where we will be, but there are certainly trends that most people, regardless of where they are playing in the sector, know are coming. And by being able to identify those trends and challenges, we are we'll be better placed to be able to uh, guide ASIL members and other stakeholders in the security sector 
to future-proof their businesses and also work towards what will be not only profitable for them, hopefully, but also beneficial for national security interests too. Yep. So I guess the first question a lot of people are going to ask before they engage in any sort of survey like this, and obviously responding to a survey takes time, the thing most people would ask is, what's in it for me? Excellent. So just to address the time piece, uh, so far we've had well over 100 respondents, which our goal is 1,000, so we're, we're really starting light. Uh, the average time to complete the survey is five to six minutes, so it's not very time-consuming. What's in it for members or of the security industry or users of security is quite clear. Right now, we actually work on anecdotal data, anecdotal information. We're guessing what the industry is good at, what we're bad at, and generally speaking, it's always biased. You know, people who are experts in electronic security think we're great at electronic security, think guarding's a problem, and vice versa. Users of security very often don't even know what good looks like. So the ideal outcome of this will be uh, robust data collection that we can then identify trends. And there'll be two really big outcomes, I think, that will happen for the industry. One, for those you know, security and risk nerds like me, who, who love to look at everything in detail, there'll be a robust research report. But we also plan to produce a very short, succinct roadmap, okay, which, you know, if you, if you think it'll probably land up being an A4, A3 graphic, it may land up being a very short slide presentation, which will enable ASIL members and other stakeholders to actually start trying to align their business and their offerings to the trends identified. So right now, you know, everybody guesses and forecasts what's gonna happen in isolation. It, I think it will be really reassuring to look at a large study that will actually be able to uh, pull some of these trends together and provide a roadmap for success aligned to these trends. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the roadmap and how that's going to work because, you know, if I'm running a security integration business or if I'm running a security guarding business, typically I don't care what everyone else is doing. I'm only interested in being successful myself. Why is the roadmap important? So I think there's two or three points to that and uh, putting my academic research hat on now, we are midway through collecting information. So I don't want to bias the research by saying, this is where we think it's going. Yeah. But uh, a few things we all know, uh, for example, trends around uh, the integration of cyber and physical security. We know this is a reality that's happening. So businesses who are not understanding those trends are probably going to be left behind by businesses who are. And yeah. that's just one example. So the roadmap actually hopes to identify some of those key trends. And while we can't, force anybody to do anything with their business, uh, informed decision-making should help to future-proof a business as opposed to just being reactive or getting disrupted and all of a sudden finding out that the service you've built your business on is not warranted nor attractive to buyers anymore, which is why we're also surveying users and trying to collect data from the users of security. Yep. You know, another example would be the uh, hot potato that everyone talks about being you know, national licensing, national regulation. Yep. But you know, it's hard to influence stakeholders without a robust research report. Yep. And this is one of those challenges where I would urge once again, all, the, all, the, all your listeners, please do participate. If we want to lobby government to create some sort of national licensing structure and we've only got 100 survey respondents, it's not a strong case. Okay? Yep. Whereas if there's thousands of respondents and there's a universal trend identified between that, the workshops, 
um, the interviews, etc., it creates a much stronger case for AZL to lobby on behalf of the industry. Again, I understand you don't really want to re- bias the research. So if you can't answer any of these questions at this point, please just sort of say, look, that's going to impinge negatively on what we're doing. But I, I guess anyone listening to this uh, is probably familiar with the discussions that we've had in the last you know, year or more's worth of podcasts where we talk about things like national licensing. And, and one of the first questions people would ask is, how would a report like this influence government? Because we know that there's a very strong possibility that the government's not going to move towards a national licensing model unless there's a strong reason for them to do so, whether it be financial, political, whatever it may be. Why would this kind of research report move that needle in that direction? Well, at this stage, there is no research that shows not having a federal license structure or a more robust recognition structure has any negative impact at all. So every time yep. somebody tries to argue it, regulators counter that argument saying that they, you know, that we have a robust system in place. So the aim of conducting robust academic research is to actually have information to go back and go, well, we are seeing to your point, uh, this has a negative impact on small businesses, for example, in terms of mobility, or it has a negative impact realistically as just but one example, I believe it would actually have a negative impact in national security by yeah. not not enabling a consistency. So part of what we're trying to do is to provide those who are fighting the fight for us with the academic research to help them better fight that fight. Yep. Okay. And that's that's organizations like ASIL, I'm assuming. Correct. Correct. Right. Okay. And so what is the timeline that you're looking at to try and you know, conduct, collate and create this kind of report? Awesome. Thanks, John. So we're midway through the research now, which means we've run our focus groups, but the, the uh, surveys will be open for at least another three weeks or so, um, probably until Easter if we, if we have to keep it open. And we'll be conducting interviews right up until the point that the survey closes. After that, there's about a month of... Uh, information consolidation, trend analysis, and authoring the draft report, which will then go back to ASL, who will provide us with some feedback. And our hope is to be able to release the report in line with uh, the next ASL conference in July. Right. And who will the report be available to? So I, I believe it would be available to anybody who wants to read it. Uh, we will also provide some feedback sessions for those interested who don't necessarily want to read the report to get a quick snapshot view of what it is. Um, but the, the, the reality is uh, information that will come out of this report is only useful if people use it. Yep. So our intent would be to make the report as, as uh, available as we possibly could. Okay. Now, you've mentioned a couple of things like trends and future-proofing and things like that, but as an end user within the industry, what sorts of things can I expect to find in the report? So... Again, without going into uh, the, tr- the trends that we're still gathering information on, for, the, for those who haven't looked at academic reports before, there's going to obviously be a bit of background around what the security industry looks like, size, scale, importance. There'll be a little bit around international trends and comparing what happens in Australia to what happens abroad. And then there will be data analysis, which shows we collected all this information. These are the trends we found. And then there'll be some recommendations and suggestions which will form the basis for the roadmap. 
that will come out of the report. So our, our uh, goal will probably be, and it's hard to say, you know, between a 30 and 80 page report uh, that will contain all of those different findings. But ultimately, you know, the key takeaway I believe is gonna be the roadmap, which shows this is where we are now, this is where we wanna go. And here are some of the things that, you know, users of security and members of the security industry should take into account to make things better, but not, it's not just about the greater good, it's about making sure that your business is still gonna be around and a value provider of services in the next few years. Sorry, I, I know I keep going over the same ground and I'm sounding a bit ignorant, but explain to me how that works. Because if I'm, uh, if I'm a security company or I'm a security provider, I'm not really understanding how a research report is gonna help my business be more viable or create greater longevity. Sure, so I'll actually take my researcher hat off and I'll put my security business owner hat. As you know, I've been running security businesses for nearly 20 years now. And one of the challenges most security business owners face is that we're so busy trying to win business, provide services and run that continuous loop that it's exceptionally hard unless you are a huge provider with a lot of resources to look at what's coming up over the horizon. And as such, that's literally why this report and this project is called the Horizons Project, is to try and create the opportunity for those who are too busy to be looking at future trends to have a really easy, almost equal opportunity to see what those future trends are, to start um, shaping and scoping their business. As one example that COVID, for example, has demonstrated, security guards can do a lot more than we use them for. So, you know, this may cause, you know, guarding companies to start going, well, how could I broaden the skills of the security officers I provide? How could I make them more valuable instead of just trying to provide the same commodity at a cheaper price? Right. So I'm assuming things like, um, let's say we go back seven, eight years to the beginning of home automation. And, you know, this report would be something that would identify, look, home automation in 2014, had it been done back then, was an emerging market. There's huge scope there for security to move into the home automation market, take greater control of that market, um, you know, integrate with the home automation systems, value add to what it is that they're offering as a business to create more resources and so on. So as an example, that's a pretty good example. Uh Obviously for us, we can only work with the data we're provided. Yep. So if experts in the industry are not completing the surveys or participating in the focus groups, those sort of trends are gonna be very hard to identify. But the more of those trends we can identify, the more we will identify in the report. I think the other thing we'll be doing is trying to not be too prescriptive and not go into, you know, 30, 30 interview respondents said that they thought artificial intelligence using this software program will be very useful. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna try and keep it quite high level and go back to that example, uh, you know, the use of artificial intelligence will become a critical component for security success. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's important for us to remember that no future looking report will ever answer every question you have, but it's designed to start stimulating thinking too around how we could be innovating and what we should be doing to be innovating in our own industry. Yep. And I guess equally importantly, it can do things like identify areas that we thought were perhaps going to be growth areas that necessarily maybe aren't. So if we take artificial intelligence, for example, it might be a case of, look, that will definitely be an area of growth, but we don't see that as being a major area of growth for 
another five to six years because the market's still immature, the technology's not where it needs to be, whatever it may be. Whereas building information management systems or smart cities or whatever it may be, they're going to be, and again, I'm making all of this up. So ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this, please don't think this is what's going to be in the report. I'm just giving examples here to ask the question. You know, it might be that you identify that smart cities are going to be the next big trend or whatever. Is that the case? Absolutely. And, you know, this, this again, you know, we're researchers, so we can only pull together the components that are out there that we can look at. But for example, you know, Singapore has done a really good report on where they think, you know, internet enablement and technology needs to go. And we're hoping to try and get something similar with that, just with the security lens. And I would caveat that we're not focusing on one part of the sector above another. We're not prioritizing guarding or integration or technology or cyber above any of the other pieces. But having said that, if we get the majority of respondents from one part of the industry, that will obviously have a little bit of bias into the way we analyze the report. As such, we're trying to drive uh, the message out there that as many different stakeholders from as many different parts of the industry as possible should be participating so that we get a really rounded view. And you know, to support that, it's, it's our industry. So if people aren't gonna take six minutes to complete a survey or share where they think we are and where they think we're going, but wanna keep complaining that it's bad, it doesn't help anybody. Yeah. And so I guess the other side of this too is, you know, there's two ways that people can look at these reports. They can look at them as, you know, if we take the example of, um, let's just suppose hypothetically, the report identifies that um, uh, video behavioral analysis and automation and robotics are going to eliminate the need for guards in the next 10 years and it's all going to become virtual patrols and behavioral analytics a guarding company might look at that and say, well, that's terrible news. Or they might say, okay, we've got five years to pivot. Exactly right. And I think this is always the challenge with any future looking study is who knows how long it will take for things to change. And we might have some sort of incident or some sort of event that would drive it the other way. Yep. But, uh, you know, the, the key piece with this stuff is if we don't know where we are, what we're good at and what we're bad at, and we don't know where we're likely to be, it's exceptionally hard to plan for yeah. anybody. Yep. And that that's the gap that this Horizons project is really trying to fill. Okay. So now the important part, if people want to participate in the survey, where do they go? What do they do? So ASIL has sent out uh, information to all ASIL members. So please do go through your emails because it'll have the links to the surveys in there. Feel free to contact ASIL directly if you don't have any of that information. Or if you'd like to participate directly and you're going, I don't have time to do a survey, then drop me or Dr. Paul Johnson an email uh, or just email ASIL and they'll forward your information on to us. Yep. Okay. And what about the Australian Security Research Centre? Can people find the the information through there or? Uh, We're marketing all of this through, and this is all being run through ASIL to make sure there's one point of direct contact and it is the, the ASIL Horizons 2025 project. Yep. So don't don't go look anywhere else. Use ASIL as the central point because they are the central point and they'll be able to guide you in the right direction. Yep. And just as a final question, who is the Australian Security Research Centre and what makes them uniquely qualified to carry out this research? Interesting. Thanks. Uh, the the ASS, ASRC was originally started in 2007 by uh, Professor Athel Yates 
Uh, my business purchased that in 2018, and it's become the research division of our group now. Wow. So long-standing, almost tw- almost two decades of security-centric research, and it's interesting because one of the things we do a lot of is try to understand how to do things better. So this is the second research project we've undertaken since we've taken on the ASRC. The first one was uh, the occupational violence and aggression research we did about a year and a half, two years ago. And I'm, a, as, as you well know, I'm a big fan of trying to use the best possible methods of data collection to make the most informed decisions. And I think what we've got with the ASRC is something that can bridge the gap between private security, government sector security, national interests, and how that works. This project's being led by me and Dr. Paul Johnson, so two PhD level researchers, and we've got support from two or three other researchers and uh, academics behind us. So uh, where we're sitting now, there's a really good opportunity for us to actually provide some real robust measured research into a sector that you know, we always talk uh, anecdotally about things, for example, like the sector is bigger than all the law enforcement agencies combined. Yeah. But you kind of go, where's the data? How do we know that? What's the exact stat? And it's those sort of questions that we're trying to answer for the, through the ASRC. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to know more about the uh, Horizons 2025 report, please go to www.asial.com.au. Uh, you can find all the information about the research report there. And obviously, if you would uh, like more podcasts like this one, there are plenty in the ASIAL Security Insider series. You can find them on Blurberry, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, uh, and all your great podcast outlets. And we look forward to seeing hearing from you on the next episode. And Gav, thanks again for joining us today. Thanks, John. Always a pleasure to talk to you.